I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in Sydney in the 80s. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. But this season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to the family, from the Morehouse murders to haunted highways, this season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. This week we are continuing our dive into the very strange case of Melissa Caddick. The past few weeks, Dad and I have been dealing with all kinds of things, not the least of which have been pig feet in shoes. Or pigs wearing shoes? And then Mm. feet in shoes. It's been a very foot-heavy case. Mm. It's very strange. If you haven't already listened to the first two episodes or have been following the news, you probably don't understand what we're talking about. That's okay. Pause the podcast, go back, have a listen. Mm. But... What we wanted to do this week is just talk about primarily her husband. Mm. So, Anthony Coletti. Last week, Dad, you you informed me that Anthony Coletti is a part-time hairdresser and DJ. I mean, who isn't? Now, obviously, the police have been dealing with him a fair bit. Mm. What are your thoughts on this guy? Well, look, initially I thought he was um, a bit of a showman. So, he'd been having an affair with um, Melissa. Mm-hmm. I hope Melissa doesn't mind if she's still alive that I'm calling her Melissa and not Ms. Caddick, right. as she sometimes liked to be called. And we don't really know whether she's dead or alive. And I, I was leaning very strongly towards she having, you know, sort of taking, had taken her own life. Yes. But, but, but guess what, Paul? What? Um, here's a... Um, I've done a bit of a, an about-face which I haven't told you about. Now, hang on. You told Tegan and I, because, okay, everyone, as you may know from the last two episodes, I was in Sydney with Tegan for about eight days and we recorded a Loose Units and a Loose Ends together in the same room and Tegan and I were talking with you and you told her your theory mm. and now you're saying that you've switched sides. I, I've, 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 I have because I have been doing extensive research mm-hmm. on a pretty creepy topic. And I have managed to uncover yeah. 10 mm-hmm. well-reported-on cases of people that had to cut their limbs off, arms and legs. Not necessarily 
I mean, if you cut both your arms off, you then couldn't cut a leg off. Well... Unless you use the knife in your teeth. Or a series of kind of piano wire booby traps. But, mm. like, logistics aside, are you saying that Melissa cut, it, cut off her own foot? I... It's... it's The coroner, they've set down two more days for this particular case, where what happens with a... In a coronial, in this case, inquest... Yeah. ...is that they try and come up with a finding. Now, this may well be an open finding. What does that mean? It just means that they... Don't know. They don't know. Okay. They, they, you can't ever say... I mean, having a foot's one thing. Yeah, If it they is. had have had two feet, that perhaps would have been slightly more plausible, but we'd really like to have the body. At this stage, as I've hypothesised... Um, perhaps somewhat romantically, is that in years to come, we may mm-hmm. come across a woman with a rubber foot walking. Not necessarily in Australia. Why the foot, though? If you're going to get rid of something and make people think you're dead, why a foot? Well, like, so look, this does involve some, some fairly deep explanations for the listeners. Yes, well, listeners enjoy those from you, so please go ahead. So I was trying to imagine... Yeah. Um, if... I, because there's also what we also need to remember, listeners, and dearest Paul, is that it's believed that there are still some Argyle diamonds missing. Okay, now some people are hypothesizing that they never existed in the first place. Sorry, what are Argyle diamonds? Uh, from the Argyle diamond mines in Kununurra, I'm in guessing Western Australia. Oh, and okay, so it, Australian diamonds. No, the pink diamonds... And the even rarer blue diamonds are among the most valuable diamonds on this small planet. Then talk me through... It is pretty small, isn't it? Uh, Talk me through how they... All right, so why do people think she has these? Okay, because she um, got in touch with the top diamond merchant in Australia. Yeah. And obviously, it would have become fairly clear within the world of, uh, you know, gemstones... Because of the money she was spending, close mm-hmm. to thirty million, she was living a life, and and she had a penchant for for beautiful jewellery. And someone got in touch with her, a diamond merchant, and actually offered her um, a beautiful diamond. Now these are what are called loose stones. Loose stones are very, very easy to move, not just around country or this country, but you can easily take them offshore. Because when you go through any airport, they don't use x-ray machines, okay? So it's very easy to secrete a loose stone. You could have it in your purse, your wallet, in a pocket, and it, it's, it doesn't register in terms of the way metal does, okay? And you remember the, the movie Blood Diamond, mm. where they were hiding diamonds in just underneath the folds of skin of live animals? What, what they would do in Africa to, to, to sort of smuggle diamonds. Look, diamonds is a really... Um, because they're not marked in any way. They don't sort of have sort of... They don't sort of have coded sort of, you know, inscribing on the actual stones. And it, it's a very lucrative, big sort of cash economy. And that's how a lot of money... How a lot of criminal organisations move large sums of money is through uncut gems. Okay? So... What happened was when this particular diamond merchant contacted Melissa about a particular stone he had, really weirdly, listeners, 
She then sent him back a photograph of two Argyle diamonds, one of them being blue, beyond rare, and said to him that unfortunately she wasn't in a position to buy his diamond because she had already spent her annual budget on gemstones. Okay, now there are some people now that are hypothesizing that yep. that actually was inaccurate because she was known to tell porkies. Hmm. And I didn't mean to bring pigs back into this story. Uh, but yes, it's it's quite fascinating. But if she had of... We, we know that she had ordered shredding um, services to start destroying documents three months prior to the investigation. Mm-hmm. But Paul... Do yeah. you know how many investigators, both from ASIC and the Commonwealth Police, were at the house the day of the raid? No, how many? 21. Jeez. Is that Can a lot? You, that's, I've never, ever, ne- to go into a private dwelling. So, Paul, 21. Can you imagine if you're living in a fairly salubrious suburb or, or I guess, anywhere and, you know, just the logistics of 21 people, they spent 12 hours sort of basically, well, you can imagine it would have been a forensic search. Mm-hmm. And by a forensic search, they would have, they would have, I, I, I imagine, because I've been involved in this sort of thing, I imagine that they would have taken dimensions of rooms. Remember how we did that podcast a long time ago where I was involved in um, a drug raid? Yes. And we discovered that you just get that sense that some of the rooms are slightly smaller than they should be. That's because they have fake walls which have voids and within the voids you can keep contraband hang on are you claiming that there are secret passages and walls inside Caddick's house i'm not claiming that i'm just saying that that is one of the things that good investigators on the day oh okay would have been so, looking for like they, yeah. they they would for example i imagine um mm-hmm. with toilets for example yeah you would lift the cistern off because hiding things in toilet cisterns um it's, it's a wonderful thing to do. And, and you can also hide things, believe it or not, listeners. If you get a piece of fishing line mm. and you have a stocking and you wrap something up in um, like, like a sort of a cling wrap, you can actually feed that. You can almost flush it down the toilet. And then... And you what have it like snapped, a, though? Like- well, that, that, would be, that would be upsetting. Yeah, okay. Um, but you'd use a fairly sort of... Look, you'd set it up really well and then you flush whatever, but then you have like a very fine, almost invisible um, monofilament line that you hopefully have tied off properly. Hang on, hang on. How can you advocate for this? I'm not advocating. I'm just explaining. No, no, no. Ad- no, no. Listen, when you flushed... When, when you put money into a toaster and burned it, was this not... Did you have other places you were considering putting money and that was just one of the later candidates would would you have you ever hidden anything valuable like money in a uh, cistern or in a toilet no but i went to school with a guy and yeah. his father was incredibly wealthy and i was probably 13 and my friend's father had like a briefcase and in it he had um sort of a hundred certain denomination notes and mm-hmm. they had like a paper folding thing and they had the serial numbers actually penciled in on the white paper that bound the notes. And we were going to a concert, an ABC youth concert. So I'm, I'm sort of, I was 12 or 13 and my friend said to me that he would get me a brand new bill. He actually got two bills from his father's suitcase mm-hmm. and then he rubbed out the number and put in 
new numbers, okay? And he actually hid them in the toilet system until the night of the concert. And I remember he gave me <laughs> a fresh $20 bill. And back in 1973, I looked at this $20 bill and I just thought, and there was no way on earth I could possibly spend it. And I, from memory, because I was too nervous about taking it into the city and handing it to a shopkeeper because they'd, I thought that they'd call the police because they thought, yeah. what, what's a 13-year-old doing with a like a mint banknote? And I'm quite sure, listeners, that I gave it back to him. But that's an example of hiding something in a toilet system. So 21 investigators in a house that is, uh, I think you have to pay like $10,000 to even inspect the house at this point. So you can actually go and inspect the house. And yeah. I think that's to stop true crime kind of looky-loos heading in. Yeah, it's weird, but isn't it? I want to run something by you, Dad. Here's an interesting assertion. You said you flipped a little bit, mm. right? Mm. And you think she's cut her own foot off. <laughs> Paul, it's not It's not inconceivable. I mean, I've read a lot of medical reports about this case where doctors mm-hmm. are going, yeah, it's it's really difficult. It's there, but I don't I don't agree with that hypothesis at all, particularly after I've read some of the most extraordinary stories about people who have actually cut their limbs off. And that is also not including a very rare disease where people believe, and I've and I've read some really good hardcore scientific journals about what I'm about to mention, where people it's like a, a dysmorphia where people actually feel almost guilty about having a particular limb and and then there's a whole sort of series of reports and documents I've read about the morality of doctors and some doctors have actually been approached to have people's good legs and arms removed and some people even go so far get ready for this to become a basically have their spine severed okay and and they, they, this is not made up stuff no 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 look I guess what I'm saying is that's all well and good. I mean, it's not. It's insane. But um, is this what you actually think happened to Melissa Caddick? Do you think she actually removed her foot and faked her death? Is that what you think? Well, there, there's, there has to be a slim possibility. Sure. But, I mean, Melissa... And this is from The, this is from the Guardian a little while ago. Melissa Caddick's husband has told her inquest he accepts his wife as a fraudster mm. but still holds the corporate watchdog responsible for her death due to their cruelty. Mm. I believe she died as a direct result of ASIC's negligence, cruelty, and inhumanity, Coletti wrote. Is that something you still say on your oath today? Dean Jordan SC on behalf of ASIC asked. Yes, said Coletti. Now, what I'm curious there is, is he saying that the pressure that ASIC was applying caused her to, you know, jump to her death or disappear or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or is he saying that they actually had her killed? Like, what is he actually saying? No, he, he is saying that because of the trauma of having 21 investigators in your home for 12 gotcha. hours, yep. he is um, implying, and believe mm-hmm. you me, the coroner is most most pissed off about what he said because that sort of creates a lot of, you know, drama and pressure on the investigators. And... All of Coletti's inferences about, you know, being not allowed to eat, not allowed to drink, mm-hmm. not sort of basically being prisoners, that has all been proven to be incorrect. Uh, they had free reign of the house. Uh, they had they had refreshments. They, they were basically, there were no dramas. But, you know, they're there to do a, a really important job. And it would be very, very interesting observing the occupants of that house. Can you imagine if you've got 21 skilled, I imagine at least some of them were highly skilled investigators. I, I reckon they would have had at least one of the investigators, their sole job was to observe the the mannerisms and facial sort of 
you know, messaging mm-hmm. of the people. Because imagine if you've got a uh, like a, a safe concealed behind a wall and it'd be like having a Geiger counter where you're, you're going through sort of some building and in, at somewhere in that building is something radioactive and, and then all of a sudden... You know, the, the Geiger counter starts to sort of, the needle starts to move up and it starts to make a noise. Well, if I had a secret concealed compartment within this big house, which is very, very conceivable, I guess one would ask oneself who would have built it. It could have been a family friend. I mean, you're not just going to get, I don't think you're going to get a tradesman, in, although, although, although let's face it, um, you know, companies employ panic rooms. And, you know, they don't necessarily know what's inside the panic room because they, they, you know, once the job's done, but they know there's a panic room. And, you know, there are lots of people in this world that go into houses and, and, you know, observe. I mean, me and my picture hanging business, the things that I've seen, and I have seen panic rooms. I've been inside them because I've had to hang pictures in panic rooms, um, Mm. which is extraordinary. But look... If if you if the investigators were getting close to perhaps a concealed like a you know like a floorboard that you sort of tap down and then it springs up and then you can go down under I I in my heart of hearts taking into consideration this entire story I cannot believe that they would not have had a place on the property it could have been out in the backyard and I imagine the investigators I don't know but I would like to think that they also used metal detectors and they did a really, really thorough forensic search of the backyard. I mean, there are so many places you can conceal. It's just, you know, if there's a fence with a, like a picket fence, what you could do with a, so like a bordering fence, you could remove one of the palings and then you could basically have a hole dug in the neighbor's property. So when they were doing a search, they wouldn't have any reason to search the neighbor's property, but you would have access to it. To this particular look, there are there are so many, so many uh, places you can conceal, and but then again, I have to also say to myself, mm-hmm. if I was going to cut my foot off and then throw it into the ocean with the view of it being found, that would then say we've found a foot. It's from a DNA perspective, it belongs to Caddick. That's going to put them off the scent. I, and this is sort of where I to and fro, obviously the logical part of my brain says, well, that is entirely ridiculous because what if you threw the foot in the ocean? And it was never found? And it was never found. Yeah, so that's, that, that's um, silly. That's a very, very good point. Yeah. Um, it's like a bottle. It's like you put a message in a bottle, mm-hmm. you, you catch a ferry somewhere nice, you throw it in the water. Not all bottles with messages in them, having said that, some are found 30, 40 years after the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not all found. So that kind of means that, well, the message in the bottle, you had the intention of it being found and read and you know, maybe said, sort of having some you know, communication with the, with the, the receiver of the, the said object. So the, the foot hypothesis. But I... What I I don't know whether this has been done, but I've already come up with with an I came up with an address, a location, a street name, as to where if she did jump, um, I believe that because the water's not that deep around there, no matter what the tide's like, 
I'm wondering whether the New South Wales police and their diving crew, because I've, I've done that swim from Bondi to Watson's Bay, um, I would be surprised if the police didn't dive and look and sort of rummage around the foreshore um, from vantage points that you could actually gain access from the cliff top to the actual water mm-hmm. and I would because the body spears in as soon as you hit the water now the, the depth of the water around there it's not that deep it's feasible that as she speared if, if this is the case um, and I imagine on the balance of probabilities if this scenario did take place she would have landed feet first speared down is it not possible that there are still possibly some remnants it's just I'm theorising. Um, it's a we, we, we've already proved beyond a reasonable doubt that the the shoe having the foot inside because of the air bubbles within the the, the actual shoe mm-hmm. would have floated and could have floated that far. Um, I guess. Yeah. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's, it's, it's fascinating, Paul. Um, that's, that's why they're having an inquest, to try and get to the bottom of it. Speaking of which... Um I think a lot of people are sort of looking at Coletti, at the husband, as a potential suspect. Now, mm. you know, it's never good to speculate, but that's what we're doing. So yep, yep. let's just lightly speculate. But, I mean, look, another piece in The Guardian uh, I found very interesting. I will read this. It says, and this is published Wednesday, 14th September. The behavior of Melissa Caddick's husband was extremely strange, and when he was seen crying, they were not real tears, a police officer has told the inquest 
into her 2020 disappearance. Sergeant Trent Riley was one of the first officers to interview Anthony Coletti after his missing persons report was filed on 13th of November, about 30 hours after he says Caddick left their Dover Heights mansion. Coletti has denied any involvement in his wife's appearance. Let's pause that reading just there. Now, Dad, typically speaking, how long after someone goes missing in Australia are you allowed to, you know, file a report of a missing person? <clears throat> okay, Paul. Um, you and Tegan know each other very well. You're married. You have a routine. You mm-hmm. can always get in touch with each other via mobile. You, yep. you understand. You you, um, you you know each other well. Um, how long would you wait? This is a serious question. Yep. How long would you wait mm-hmm. if you were expecting... Okay, so you wake up one morning. Tegan's not there. She's left her stuff. She's just v- vanished. Yep. How long would you wait until you call the police? Okay. Being completely honest, I think Tegan and I have a slightly closer relationship than many couples um, in terms of just the amount in which, because we work together as well. Um, so I think, look, I'd start to notice she was gone very, very early. Uh, as for when I would call the cops, I think there's a whole bunch of people I would call first, mm-hmm. right? That, yeah, that's I fair call, enough. I'd call friends, parents, I'd call mm-hmm. you. Yep. Uh, and, and then... I'd check on social media to see if she'd posted recently. Mm. Um, but, but Paul, you know, we're talking a few hours. Of course, yeah, okay. a few hours. But what I'm saying is, look, 30 hours after... I, is, the 30-hour thing doesn't seem odd to me. Oh, it sounds um, incredibly odd to me. Does it? Why? You think that's a long time? Paul, 30 hours? Yeah. That's an incredibly long time. Yeah, but did you hear his excuse? Yeah, but, mate, look. No, let's talk about that. Okay. So, he says... He reckons she may have gone camping. Is that right? That's bullshit. Yeah, but I mean... Look, he was also seen and I kind of... This is a part of the story that makes me feel... No, so, diff- it's poignant. Mm-hmm. Is that he and, and, the, and the police officer, I have a bit of a problem and I, and I don't know whether that particular police officer that I'm about to mention, not by name, but I read something and I found it troubling, is um, Coletti says that he went up to... Um, a place where you know there's a cliff, and he was looking for footprints from her shoes, and he was photographing footprints. Now, that actually doesn't strike me as being incredibly unusual. The police officer used an analogy. Okay, the police officer said that's ridiculous. It's a park where people walk their animals. It's like saying that you found a footprint on Bondi Beach. I don't. I just don't agree with what that police officer said. And I think I think the 30 hours is, is peculiar, but one also needs to consider that I, I think he would have had a terrible sinking feeling. Um, it's obviously out of character, her just leaving um, without saying anything. He did, he did lie to the police about... He said that she'd gone jogging, and it's been proven... Um, in, in part by evidence given by their son. Speaking of routine, he said that she went jogging all the time, Which but she apparently didn't. she hadn't been going. She hadn't been jogging for like four weeks. Mm-hmm. But Paul, have you noticed uh, the last photograph of her the day of the raid? Is there anything you gleaned from just looking at her? Let me have a look at it. Where is it? Hang on, where is it? Um, it's, it's a very. She's wearing sort of a, a like a. Uh, you know, like an exercise outfit. I, I, I'm i of the opinion that she really worked 
out very, very hard in gyms. She's really got a bit of a physique up top, hasn't she? She's muscular. That is not a normal physique for just a person that doesn't really go to the gym and work. That 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 is a a lot of work's gone into her physique. It's muscly. So she obviously did it could have been in a home gymnasium, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the 30 hours is you know maybe he thought he could maybe he he did think the worst. Um I I'm I'm going to sort of I don't often use percentages, but I'm 100% sure and positive that he had nothing to do with her demise if she is dead i don't believe it i have i was fairly skeptical and a bit sort of you know i had a certain sort of opinion but then i heard some uh and saw recent footage of him talking and you know i you saw the body cam footage i've seen that but that's 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 old yeah okay uh that look he was weird but you know how would you react if you had Look, I I mean, how do you act completely, even if you are innocent? I mean, we all do weird things. You know, you can be you can be innocent of something and you can then have the police. I mean, how many people listening to this podcast have not been driving a motor vehicle, myself mm-hmm. included, you look in your revision mirror and there's a highway patrol vehicle getting yeah. out, getting around and they're, fo- and you, they're not following you. They could be, but they're not on the balance of probabilities. Mm-hmm. But have a look what happens to to traffic en masse when there's a police car amongst them. Everyone just slows down. Slows down. Everyone's kind of getting nervous. Just, you know, just kind of everyone's... But the police are in the car. Uh, They're they're just... They're cruising. They could be going to a job. I mean, they may well be observing. That's what they're supposed to be doing. But if... if we, We... A couple of months ago, we had three police officers. We had some dramas in our building um, with, a, with a, a guy that was sort of sleeping downstairs, you know, sleeping rough, and it was pretty sad. And, and we had three police come round, and they walked into our, into our apartment, and one of them walked straight over to the bookshelf, and he, he saw loose units. So it was one of the rare opportunities where I actually didn't have to start the conversation. But here are these three uniformed police. Christine and I are both ex-police. They're in our place, and I'm acting weirdly. And some people might say, but John, you act weirdly all the time. Yeah. Fair enough. But Paul, there's something about the uniform. It makes you say and do weird things. And even if you say nothing, that's weird. If you say a little bit, that can be everything you do, say how you stand, where you put your hands, the juxtaposition of you in relation to the, in this case, 21 people in your home Mm-hmm. You are going to be giving off signals that will be interpreted and misinterpreted. And who is to say what he was or wasn't thinking? He may have 100%. had this terrible, terrible, sickly, shocking feeling, and he may have he may have gone a bit crazy. He may have walked the streets. He may have wanted to avoid okay, imagine this. Imagine he calls the police within a few hours. And there's a huge hullabaloo, police around, it's a big production, and she comes home that night. And then you're going, oh, um, so there's also that to be considered in these situations whereby when is the right time? But I'll yeah. tell you, I'll tell you now, if any of you kids, when you were living with us in Manly, for example, or if Christine didn't come home, 
Like, imagine Christine didn't come home one night from work. I would be... I'd be fucked. And I'd be... I would wait, but I wouldn't wait that long. I'd, I might perhaps call a few people and just, like, family and say... And maybe try and get in touch with someone at her work and say, you know, did she leave work? And they go, yes, she left work. Uh, and then I know that Christine either generally gets the train or a bus... I'll tell you what, I'd be I'd be straight onto the police. Yeah, no, me too. And I think for me what's interesting is people are saying that, you know, he waited too long, which is reasonable, but um maybe, maybe he was trying be, to sort things out himself. Well it's possible. It's entirely possible, I think, that uh it's entirely possible that he knew about the Ponzi scheme stuff, he was as bent as she was. And when cops show up, I guess if you're trying to obfuscate one thing, you might accidentally look like you're obfuscating the other thing. Does that make sense? Especially mm, when they're walking around your house. But mm. but, it, um, but, it, but in the um, in the final sort of in the sort of the the end days of this particular um, inquest, in fact, yeah. last Friday, mm-hmm. the magistrate, the coroner, said to um, the Cole. husband that that um, you know. Did he sort of still think that you know the 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 twenty one people in the house had sort of contributed to you know possible her possible demise? And he said, "Well, look, I'm I'm sort of going to wait till the end of this whole thing before I pass judgment." But the coroner said to Mister Coletti, "Do you now acknowledge?" And this is I found this quite interesting that your partner, your 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 wife. I found it quite extraordinary. The coroner said to him, do you now acknowledge that your wife was a fraudster running a Ponzi scheme and that you didn't know anything about it? And so that's fascinating. So the presiding coroner is of the opinion that he genuinely did not know. And I think about things like that and I think about, you know, people that are married to, for example, organised criminals you know, that work um, in some very nefarious, you know, like enterprises, drugs, you know, prostitution, racketeering. And then you look at the families living on in Sydney, the lower North Shore, and sending their kids to the best schools. And I think if you're a gangster or a criminal or running a Ponzi scheme, I have a feeling that you try and sort of insulate your family from your nefarious dealings they get to experience the benefits of your crime but they don't necessarily understand sort of the the machinations of of the behind the scenes sort of you know the way it's the the schemes operating i mean Mm. i i have a feeling and this might be a little bit i don't like to sort of call myself naive because i'm generally not naive but i don't think she would have told him too much um, I think on the surface he was just a, a beneficiary and let's face it in relationships um, your partner is a beneficiary mm-hmm. but also or conversely your partner is also going to suffer any of the bad shit that happens yeah that's that's a, that's what a relationship is well, the inquest continues, Dad. We don't actually know how this is going to pan out, but I'm sure that listeners will keep us keep us, you know, mm, informed yeah, on this. Yeah. Uh, but God, what an interesting story! And it all started with pigs wearing shoes. 
Well, that, 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 that I think was quite an interesting theory. Um, mm. I mean, the actual trauma of, say, you know, a three or four-year-old child at a park up there in the eastern suburbs watching police officers throw a pig, because you'd have to do... You couldn't just pick it up and throw it unless it was no. like a, a baby pig, but that would be traumatic. So then another thing you could do is you'd each grab two feet, two trotters. Well, you can't actually see the trotters because you've got four shoes, like two pairs, one on each foot, four yep. feet. And then you'd have two police officers, maybe two burly police officers, each having two uh, two legs holding with the shoes and police officers facing each other. Then they do that thing where you know how you swing something three times. And you've got the pig. Pig's deceased, of course. Um, and you do like the one, and you're rocking, two, and you say, oh, and then you have to stop. And you go, and are, we, are we, we going on three? Mm-hmm. Or do we go like one, two, three? Okay, so we, all, we both agree that it's going to be one, two, three. So you start again. And meanwhile, there are mothers in their, with kids in the prams watching two police officers, <clears throat> each holding two legs of a pig wearing sneakers, possibly brightly coloured, standing on the precipice, because the police have to look after themselves if they're going to throw the pig in, don't they? In fact, this is a bit silly what I'm saying. You know why? Because they could actually just have the pig in a boat and they just throw it overboard. Because that, but, but imagine the trauma of the kids in the parks. What, the, seeing, what, are, you, what are you talking about? What I'm is just, this? I'm just saying if you're going to conduct a scientific experiment where you're throwing pigs into the ocean, wearing shoes, you don't want to have kids around. No, all you need to do is put the pig, a live pig, in shoes and then scare it off the cliff. Paul, you don't use a live pig. No, you're right. That would be weird. Well, yeah, that's logistically... You'd have to scare it and get it to run on its little trotters. And, and, mm-hmm. and actually, you'd have to actually train the pig to be able to walk with shoes on. And that's not going to happen. No. In fact, I'm trying to picture a pig with four shoes. Yeah. Even just trying to walk. Difficult, isn't it? Because I don't think they're they're set up that way. You know, Dad, we've gone off the rails and that's okay because Mm. that's one of the things we do on this show. Sometimes we just follow breadcrumbs and sometimes we follow them into a room with a pig in it. Anyway, that's all the time we're going to dedicate to this case because right now the case is ongoing and there's not much more we can do right now. But what I will say is that we are going to be back later this week for Loose Ends, and then next week, more Loose Units. Always more Loose Units. Now listen, Dad, uh, we've still got some seats left for our second show, our second live show over in Melbourne in December. So make sure you head across to Comedy Republic and grab your tickets right now. Do not miss out. Now everyone's asking, are we doing shows to different areas, right? Yeah, we might. We may, we may. But only if we sell out. Correct, only if we sell out the second show. Get on it. If you don't go, you're, you're mad. Absolutely. Madder than a pig in sneakers. Anyway, I'm Paul. That's John. And we will see you soon for more Loose Units. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.